Thank you, ladies. Wow, beautiful. Calvary Christian School and, and the lovely Janelle Barris, who is helping leading the way. Appreciate that very much. That is our bilingual celebration of Christmas, so French and English. So excited. And if you have some children that you are thinking about going to a certain school, we certainly would welcome you to check out Calvary Christian School. And so that music was paid for by that ad, and so we're glad to be able to worship with you. <laughs> this morning we want to celebrate uh, the uh, lot of exciting things that are taking place, and so big as uh, both Eric and uh, Stacy uh, honored the Star Wars that are out there. In fact, Eric and his whole family sitting right here at Grace and LMB, they went to the premiere like on Thursday night, right? And they were all dressed up in those, uh, in those outfits. Uh, and not just the head, but the whole body, the legs, the arms, the whole thing. And I don't know this for a fact, but I understand that Eric walks around at home like that all the time. And he says, Ella, Ella, Grace, I am your father. And it's just really getting to be annoying. And so hopefully he's kind of working it out of his system. So congratulations. <laughs> he won't be up here for a long time, so I can get him Listen, we're excited. Now, Star Wars, it is taking place. It's a big deal. You got the people, you got the opposing sides. The Harrison Ford was the one that I saw way back in 1977. And, uh, and so there are these opposing enemies that are attacking. There's lots of explosions. There's light shows and things that are taking place. But here is what is taking place. It is as good versus evil. And uh, so I thought about the Star Wars, and I thought this fits perfectly for where we want to talk this morning, not just because it's culturally relevant, but it actually tells a similar story. Because we're going to talk about stars, and we're going to talk about wars, we're going to talk about good, we're going to talk about evil. And so Star Wars, what a perfect introduction to this message. See how, I, see how I'm doing there? That's good. Don't make me beg. But we're excited to have you here. I'm Pastor Dave Mitchell, and uh, this is the great Christmas season. We want to celebrate what God is doing. And this morning, we're going to go to one of the familiar passages of Matthew chapter 2. Let me read the text for us. And you have an outline that's available for you. You will find uh, the listening pleasure increases as you sort of have a sense as to where we're at and where we're going, where we've been. But here is a very familiar passage, Matthew chapter 2. And it begins this way in verse 1. Now, if Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this has been written by the prophet, and this would be Micah, 700 years before this time. And Micah 5 says, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And when he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Big lie. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. 
And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left by their own, for their own country in another way. And so a familiar passage, but when God gives us these stories, it's not just so we can tantalize ourselves with what it might have been like and imagine the Magi and have little nativity scenes where they're sort of journeying to the place where Jesus is. They are passages of Scripture that are as relevant to us today as we take principles that guided them. Those same biblical principles guide us today. We want to take those principles and learn from them and receive them from the Lord. You got the two opposing enemies. You got the good and the evil. You got King Herod, who was the evil. King Herod lived in the BC area era, and he is the one who built the temple that Jesus would have been part of. He had high taxation of the people because he had so many building projects. He had something like 10 wives, and he killed one of them because he got displeased with her. Then he killed his two sons. Then he killed his brother-in-law, who was the high priest at that time. Herod was a very evil, awful guy. And so as you continue to read, you see what he did to the little children of Bethlehem. On the other hand are the magi. We get the word magic or magician from them. Uh, They were scientists. They were astronomers. They loved to study. They were educated. In fact, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel was overseeing the wise men or the magi, and that's 600 years before Jesus. And these magi would study scriptures. In fact, there were pockets of magi. There were Jewish centers of Babylonian area where they were studying the scriptures, the very scriptures that Daniel would have had. In fact, they would have read some of the scriptures that talk about the coming Messiah. And we'll see how they discovered God's biblical truth and were led by that truth as well. So you got these two sides of opposing forces that are uh, attacking one another. And so we want to learn from this Matthew 2 passage. And here's the first thing we learn as God leads us, as we seek what counts in life. The first thing that I noticed about the Magi that they still teach us to this day is that we need to humbly seek after Christ. We need to seek after his light to light our way as well. So that's a basic principle. Again, Matthew 2, 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. So there's a star. We don't know if it's a planet, a star, or a special creation by God. But God loves to bless us with creative ways. That's why I thought about Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. God has created the heavens and the earth, the stars that we see, and they are means of communication. There are ways for him to communicate his will, his design, his glory, his majesty. A couple of arrangements that God has put in the sky. One is Orion. Orion shows the configuration that some have charted out those stars, and it shows this prince who is conquering the lion. Those stars that create that image always stay the same. They're not sort of randomly moving around and occasionally they form that particular image. They are always the same. They have been that way since God created them. 
There's Pleiades that is arranged in the skies as well. Again, recognize star formations that remain in place as God has placed them there. And the fascinating thing to me is that the oldest book in the Bible acknowledges these formations that astronomers still study today. Job is the oldest book in the Bible, predates Genesis having been written. And Job writes, Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season and guide the bear with her satellite? Do you know the ordinances of heaven or fix their rule over the earth? God has designed the creation to be means by which he communicates to us to understand his will, to magnify his sovereign control over all things. I'll show you how that plays out. Amos, written 2,800 years ago from today, he also recognizes these star formations. He who made Pleiades and Orion and changes deep darkness into morning, he also darkens day and night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. The point is that God is sovereignly ruling And as he ruled in the lives of the Magi and they responded to his truth, we too trust in the sovereign rule of God. We too need to respond to his truth. Now, how do they respond? Sometimes God leads through circumstances. God put a star in the sky. We don't know, again, the formation. We don't know the creation of that, when it occurred, when it went away. But we know that they recognized that there was a star from God. And God says in, Romans, in Proverbs eight seventeen, speaking of wisdom, which is the personification of God, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. God loves those who humbly seek out his truth. And sometimes he leads in circumstances. I was thinking about my own life. When has God done that? I could cite a number of situations. The one that keeps coming back to my mind, and some of you have heard me share this before many, many years ago. And so as I said first hour, there's five of you that probably will remember this. But I remember way back in the days when we used to live in livable, lovable Lodi. You've heard me say that. And that's way up near Sacramento area. One of the things I enjoyed, have always enjoyed, is taking old British cars. I've had a Triumph TR6, had a Austin Healey Sprite, and at this particular time I had a MGB GT. I love that little MGB GT because I always had a friend that drove one way, way back when I was at Westmont College. I thought, man, I want to have one of those one, one of these days. So I found a junked one in Corona when we lived there and pulled it home, fixed it up, took it all apart on the inside, put new carpet, new seats, new upholstery, and worked on the engine. And so I actually drove it from Corona to Lodi. I had to stop every 100 miles and put a quart of oil in the engine, but it did make it all the way up there. It became a daily driver for me, this old 1971 MGB GT. And one of the things that happens is uh, you have to go to Sacramento from Lodi. It's about a 30, 40-minute drive. So I'd see people in the hospital or for other reasons have to go up to Sacramento. And I remember uh, there was a, a couple of weeks where I began to get so drowsy driving that car up to Sacramento. Because in the winter, right now is the worst month ever in Sacramento. You get that Thule fog in there, it's so cold. So I roll up the windows, no air conditioning, no ventilation. And so I began to get so drowsy. By the time I was driving from Sacramento, and you all know where Galt is, right? And so as I was going through Galt, which is another 15 minutes until you get to Lodi, I was practically falling asleep at the wheel. I couldn't think, why am I so drowsy? 
And so after going through that, you know, I started looking around the car, what's going on? And, and I felt underneath the driver's seat where I was sitting. And I felt something soft and furry. And I picked it up, and it was a dead mouse in my car. And I screamed like a five-year-old little girl. <laughs> Not that screaming like a five-year-old girl is, is a bad thing, but when you're a bass, it's rather annoying to me. And so I realized, how did the dead mouse get in my car? My goodness. And so I started looking underneath the seat, in the seat that I'd put in there, the carpet that I'd put in there. And as I pulled back the carpet, I discovered a hole in the floor of my car. I thought, wow, when did that happen? And then I looked through the hole in the floor of my car, and I could see the exhaust pipe. And as I looked at the exhaust pipe, there was a little pinhole opening of the exhaust pipe that was throwing exhaust fumes right through that little hole and into the car. So the more I drove and the more the windows were up, I was asphyxiating myself. I was really killing myself. I was like, what are the carbon monoxide that comes out of those tailpipes? And so I realized I could have died. I could have died in Galt and uh, never made it home. And then I thought about that. I thought, Lord, thank you for that little mouse who gave his life for me. Because had I not found that dead mouse, I would never have thought to figure out until maybe I was dead and gone in a car accident for falling asleep because you're just overcome by the fumes. And I look back at that, I think, you know, it's kind of amusing, kind of interesting, but I never give God enough credit for all the circumstances of life where he suddenly reveals insight, wisdom, understanding, that somehow begins to make life just a little bit better. Now, God is not primarily revealing himself through circumstances, but he does. I bet each of us, we can have stories where God closed this door, opened that door, provided this opportunity, allowed this disease, and suddenly through that, he's revealing things to us that we otherwise would not have known and would not have known him as well as we do know him through those circumstances, be they good or they bad. So God reveals himself. To the wise men, it's the star in the east. To us, it may be circumstances. But please trust in the sovereign will of God, the sovereign rule of God, that whatever he's doing, it is his hand that is doing it. And I walk in faith of his direction in my life. So sometimes he reveals himself through circumstances, but he primarily reveals himself through the scriptures. One of the scriptures that the wise men, the magi, even from the days of Daniel, which is 600 years before Jesus. Moses wrote this. This is a prophecy of a fellow by the name of Balaam. He said in Numbers 24, 17, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now the Magi being students of the word that comes out of the rule of Daniel all the way up to the days of Jesus, they would have been knowledgeable of God's word and they would have said to themselves, there is a star, it's coming out of Jacob, it is something that's going to reveal someone, a king or a Messiah, and they would have studied that, they would have learned that, and so when the star begins to appear, these wise men had enough truth in their hearts and minds to say, you know, this is something we need to check out. They wouldn't have understood everything, but they would have known that there was a star that was going to come out of Jacob. And being astronomers, they would say, we've never seen that star before. 
It seems to be calling us and leading us. And when we see God's word being revealed to us, we may not understand all of it, but we walk in faith as his word continues to guide us and provide for us. That's why Psalm 119, 105 says, The word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. It will guide us. Not a literal star, but the word of God becomes a lamp or a light to guide us. Psalm 119, 31 says, I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. That word cling, that Hebrew word for debak that I love to quote, that's found in Genesis where it talks about a husband and a wife clinging to each other wife leaving their, husband, their father and mother to cling or to uh, come together with a spouse. It means, like Job says, skin clings to bone. That's how tight I need to be with God and his truth. So I cling to that. Now, let me help illustrate how God's light can lead us. I'm going to invite Hope Nelson to come on up here. We love Hope, and so come on up, Hope. Come on around here. Let me grab the little microphone and uh, come on up here on the big platform. Let's give Hope a rousing hand of appreciation. Good to have you here, Hope. Tell us how old you are. Seven. Seven years old. How old do you think I am? No, don't answer that question. (laughs) It's scared to have you answer that. Okay. Listen, we're glad to have you here, Hope. What grade are you in? First. First grade. Good for you. Well, we're excited. You looking forward to Christmas? Yes. You have lots of exciting things you'd like to get? Your parents are sitting out there. Anything you want to tell them? No? Okay. They already got it figured out. Well, listen, Hope, I'm glad to have you up here. And we've talked before. And so what we're going to do is Hope is going to help illustrate for us how the light of God, of His Word, guides us. When we walk in obedience to the light, God blesses us and provides for us uh, at the end of that road. And so all of our lives, we want to be led by God's light. So we're going to invite you to be led by a spotlight that's going to come in here. And you follow that light wherever it leads you, okay? You walk faithfully and obedient to that light, and let's see if you are rewarded for that. So let's find the light. There it is, right over there. Very good, Hope. Thank you. Doing a great job. There it goes straight ahead. Look at her go. That's really great. Whoops. Is it... Maybe straight. Maybe going straight ahead. All right. You're really doing a good job. Okay, the light... Looks like the light's moving over to the center aisle. There we go. Very good. Thank you. Oops. It's still continuing to go that direction. And, well, it looks like it's heading up to the platform, the steps. All right. Good for you, Hope. Doing a good job. Keep on climbing. Whoa, it looks like it's heading. Is it heading to the Christmas tree? I don't know. Wow, is there something underneath there? And Good for you. Come on over here. You, you followed the light, and it led you to something special. Come on here to the platform. Let's see what you found. Boy, what is that? That's a lightsaber. Oh, you know how to work that? Do you? Can you turn it on? Let's see how that thing works. Is it like a switch or something? Oh, do you push? Darth Vader, where are you when we need you? I don't know how to work it either. Oh, there. Oh, oh. (laughs) Oh, it's burning my hand. All right. There we go. 
All right. Jump. There we go. Thank you, Hope. We're excited for you. Good job. Thank you, Hope. Did a very good job. And if you haven't, anybody not seen Star Wars? Okay. Oh, a few of you. Wow. Uh, from Star Wars, lightsabers. She could cut somebody's head off with that, so watch out. So, all right. All right. Hours of fun. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> well, listen, remember, you walk in the light and you never know what's going to come at the end. It doesn't mean you're going to get a lightsaber, but it means as we faithfully are led by God's light, He provides. And sometimes it's tough. Sometimes things don't go well. For example, the Magi. They're following the light of God, the star that has led them to Jerusalem, and now they're being told they need to go to Bethlehem. That's what Micah prophesied. And so they want to head there, but in their journey, they're in our journey, as a matter of fact, there will be those that will be obstacles. Mike, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 through 8, it says, Then Herod the king heard this. He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born, and they told him it's in Bethlehem. And what happens on our journey of faith is that we want it to go well. We're obedient to God's word. We're being led by his truth. We're trying to be faithful to what he wants us to do. And then there is someone like a Herod that comes into our midst. Now here is a man that is fearing this other king. Here is another king. He's fearful of that. And so he tries to sidetrack the Magi. He wants to trick them to say, I want to go worship him as well. He lies to them. He deceives them because he wants to go kill the little baby Jesus, this little child that's maybe a year old. There are Herods that come into our lives that trouble us, that mislead us, that deceive and lie to us. And they create this, this obstacle. And we say to ourselves, man, Lord, I, I'm trying to do your will. I'm trying to walk according to your design. I'm trying to be faithful to the light you've shown me. And then you bring Herod into my life. And sometimes what the Herods do, that same word for troubled is used in Galatians 1, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. There are some people that bring their trouble to us, and then we have to somehow piece it together while remaining obedient to what we know that we should do. And man, it is tough. So when we walk according to the light, it doesn't guarantee that the light will help us avoid every obstacle in our way, because there will be Herods that that want to inhibit and want to trouble and want to disturb our hearts. And not only that, but there are chief priests and scribes. They refuse to seek the truth. The chief priests and scribes says, we know exactly where the Messiah is going to be born, Herod. It's right down the road in Bethlehem. It is prophesied by Micah in 700 B.C. And here's what's troubling about the chief priests and scribes. They knew the truth. They knew God's word. They knew what God was doing. They knew the Messiah would be there. If only they had gotten up out of their seats and journeyed with the Magi, they would have discovered Jesus as God in human flesh. But they knew the truth, but didn't respond to the truth. And my burden is this. I know as I look back in my life and retrospect, there are so many times I grew up in a Christian home as a pastor, it was my dad and had so many privileges, and yet there was so much about my journey that had so much truth, that so much biblical guidance, 
and I would fail to respond appropriately and obediently to God. And I'm always burdened even at Christmas time when we gather together and come to church maybe in a rare occasion. We're glad to have everybody here. But there's so much we know and how little we sometimes respond to the truth that is there. And as the chief priests and scribes, it sometimes describes me where I need to walk in faith obeying God because I know the truth. But sometimes I still doubt God. Will He provide? Will He act? Will He do a work in areas I need Him to work? I can know so much but believe so little. And I want to unite us to believe that when God speaks, God's truth is worthy of us following Him. Even when we have Herods and scribes that are doubters and cynics and skeptics that want to interfere with that journey. And then thirdly, we need to keep walking in faith in spite of them, in spite of the troubling people that sometimes come into our lives. We keep walking in faith and obedient to the light that he gives to us. Matthew 2, 9 and 10, we go back to the Magi now. After Herod lies to them that he wants to worship, after the scribes and priests refuse to respond to the truth they know, it says in Matthew 2, 9 and 10, after hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. This is in a rented home in Bethlehem. They're no longer in the cave. They're no longer in a manger. They are actually in a house. And the star directs them there. These magi had every reason to discount this because Herod was telling them a lie and the chief priests and scribes were doubting them with biblical truth. But they continued on. They didn't let these naysayers get in their way. And they picked up where the light was and continued to walk by faith. There are many times God gives us stories like that. One of the recent ones, I was intrigued by Derek Henry. If you follow football at all, you would know that he was the Heisman Trophy winner last week. So he's on the big TV. He's the best football player in the country, this Alabama running back. Notice some of the things that he said about his journey. He says, I just want to talk to the kids that are looking and watching this on TV. That's a big deal in football. Always keep God first. Always pray. Don't be afraid to pray. He always hears your cry. If you have dreams, go chase them. And God will be there every step of the way. I'm a living testament, man. I never thought I would be up here. But God is good. I get on my knees every night and I thank him for everything. So keep God first. Always pray. Always chase your dreams. It doesn't mean that if you surrender to Christ, you faithfully seek his truth you'll be a Heisman Trophy winner. Any more than if you say, God, lead me in my life, let me see the baby Jesus like the Magi. I won't see him either, not until heaven. But they are principles and they are illustrations of stories that God reveals to us to remind us that there are those of his own that continue the journey to explain the story of following the light of Christ and being obedient every step of the way. Let me show you another sport that's out there. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. And uh, I know that not everybody's a big sports net like I am, but let me take you from football to baseball. Let me explain a little bit after you watch one of the most historic at-bats in the history of baseball. So let's take a look. Here is Daniel 
was called up today from Triple-A Pawtucket. Hit 294 with eight homers, 38 runs batted in. He was a former team manager at Santa Clara. Out in Northern California, undrafted and played collegiately there. But a part of a great story is Daniel Nava. Bases loaded, nobody out, and there's a drive, hit deep to right field, way back, and it is gone into the Red Sox bullpen. How about that? A grand slam homer for Daniel Nave in his first major league at bat. You have got to be kidding me. Wow. <laughs> And the Red Sox have taken a 5-2 lead, and they are going to pummel 27-year-old Daniel Nava in that dugout. A grand slam home run, and the last Red Sox player to hit a home run in his first major league at bat. You have to go back to 1946. All right, so some of you may be saying, well, you know, I didn't come to watch baseball on Sunday morning. And what's the deal with that? Let me explain the rest of the story. Now, Daniel Nava, hard time getting out of AAA baseball. He sort of worked his way up and then suddenly had his big league opportunity. He finally gets with the Boston Red Sox. The bases happen to be loaded. He's the second man in the history of baseball to hit the very first pitch he sees in the big leagues for a grand slam home run. But that's historic. But even better than that is the rest of the story. I invite Jeff and Kim McKee to come on up here and help us to see the rest of the story as to why that is significant. Now, Daniel Nava, as a result of that, was able to get a big league contract. He was able to have this uh, enormous uh, opportunity to uh, play baseball. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. He loves Jesus. He's committed to Christ and to his ministries. And uh, that has allowed him uh, a financial opportunity to be provided for. And so we're excited for that. Now here's the rest of the story. Here's Jeff and Kim McKee. It's good to have Jeff and Kim with us. Kim teaches in our uh, preschool and Jeff's involved everywhere around here at Calvary Church as well. So we're glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about the rest of the story. Yeah, the rest of the story um, is, is pretty, pretty amazing. So I uh, ran into Daniel as he was working his way through the minor league system. Um, I was able to manufacture a baseball bat for him when I was working at Trinity Bats. Um, and just to see his journey and get that opportunity for that first hit. Um, well, Daniel's one of those guys that I call a lot, um, talk to a lot. There's ministry. He gets ministry. He gets mission, kind of kingdom-focused ministry. And um, I said, hey, man, we're, we're going on staff with Fellowship Christian Athletes. That requires 100% support base. I need to raise funds for that. Um, would you uh, pray about joining us? And uh, he said he, he would. Um, and that was a few months back. And um, it led to us just two weeks ago sitting down uh, at our dinner table in our kitchen just praying for support and just thanking God for um, the support that he's already provided us and for our family, um, but then just praying that you know, God would open the doors. And while I was praying for the food and thanking the Lord for what he's doing, Kim was praying for, for something big to come in. Um, and it was at 6 o'clock that night when we, when we prayed that prayer, and, um, which I think is I think is cool. My, it seems like that my prayers sometimes hit the ceiling, but Kim's go past the ceiling, yeah. which I'm thankful for. <laughs> um, 
So I went back and checked my email after we were doing the dishes that night. Uh, that six o'clock prayer turned into Daniel and his wife, Rachel, uh, supporting us financially. And that donation came through at six o'clock that night, um, which took us, uh, it was a pretty good donation, which took us to 35% funded uh, within our ministry of Fellowship Christian Athletes. Um, so God's timing is perfect. Um, and, you know, we're, we have a journey still to go. But, mm-hmm. you know, here at the prayer at 6 o'clock, um, God answering at 6 o'clock through somebody who lives in Arizona, um, who's somebody I hadn't talked to in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, not knowing what God was going to do. Um, and here, God has placed a calling on our lives to step out in faith and to trust him in full-time ministry. And God has called Daniel Nava to do the same within the game of where he's at which is really, really exciting. Um, I think the hardest part was watching him do that in a Boston Red Sox uniform. <laughs> I think, you know, that, should, we, should we tell Yes, him? the rest of the story. So I don't know if you guys may have heard, so Daniel Nava just a couple of days ago signed a major league contract with the Angels. So Daniel Nava is now an angel, which is exciting. <clears throat> yeah, so you can you root, root for Daniel Nava. Uh, there's no guarantees, as we know, going into the year of spring yeah. training. But... Just awesome, awesome guy. He loves Jesus, uh, loves the Lord. He is focused on uh, just kingdom impact. Uh, mm-hmm. As he comes alongside of us and our family, um, it's just it's been amazing to see his journey. Uh, and we could just continue to step out. Yeah, you know? the journey continues. You're right. But we love to stop every so often and say, God, thank you. We see your hand. You see your fingerprints all over the story, even as the Magi and others share as well. So thank you, Jeff and Kim, for being faithful to the Lord and serving Him in that way. Thank you. Let me say, if you buy a Trinity bat, it doesn't mean you're going to hit a Grand Slam home run. I wish it were always that way. If you pray at 6 o'clock, it doesn't mean at 6 o'clock you're always going to have a significant gift come at that same time. And if you lived 2,000 years ago and you were wandering around at the stars, it doesn't mean that star would have led you to the baby Jesus either. But what we learn is this, that God gives us his little windows, like Jeff and Kim, the Magi, Derek Henry, and the stories can go on, where when we remain faithful to the light that God has given to us, we walk in obedience to what we do know, not what we don't know, when we trust the sovereign rule of God, that God is sovereignly working these details. Who would have thought five years ago when he hit that grand slam and that thrust him into the big leagues with a nice contract that now today benefits the ministry of fellowship of Christian athletes of Jeff and Kim McKee. That God somehow, I don't know if he was swinging that bat with him. I'm not going to say that. But how God used a almost once in the historical lifetime bat to create a need, an opportunity to now provide today. See how God works. Never discount the work of God in our lives. Those of us who live down in the mundane, the everyday, that God is still working. He has no favorites. All he asks is follow the light, pursue Christ, and step out in faith, believing that he is still going to lead you as he did the Magi. That's what he asked from us. How do we respond? I love the way the Magi then responded. They responded in this tremendous time of worship. 
In Matthew 2, 11, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These magi were overcome with the reality that God did this. God led them. God is the one who's directing their lives. He got them through Herod. He got them through the chief priests and scribes. He got them through that little time where there was a a bump in the road, if you will. And God redirected and God provided and God helped so that they could come now and help and bless Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. The gold may be reflecting the fact that we believe that we have come to see the king. And not only that, but that gold, like Daniel Nava to Jeff and Kim, that gold is the Magi's way of saying, jo- Joseph and Mary, you are impoverished. We come to provide for you. Secondly, they brought this frankincense. Reflects the deity, the fragrance of God. As 2 Corinthians 2 says, you are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are saved and perishing. Christ they saw as this divine being that has now come to spread the fragrance of God to us. And then he brought the myrrh. The myrrh was given to him at his birth. It is used in the celebration of marriage in Song of Solomon, but it was also put upon his dead body in the grave, showing the humanity and the sacrifice that Christ has come into this world to die for you and for me so that my sins can be forgiven if I put my faith in him, if I confess my sins to him, He will make me clean and pure and holy. He will take every bad, every wrong thing, and he'll make it right in my heart so that I too, like the Magi, can now follow the light of Christ wherever it may take me as I walk by faith according to his word and allow him to lead me through the Herods of life so that I can find where God wants me to ultimately go. And I keep walking by faith no matter the circumstances of life. I'm going to invite the band to come on up here. I'd like for us to be people like that Magi. Will we come and take whatever we have? We come and respond according to the word that he has given to us. We say, God, I don't know all things that I need to know, but I'm going to act in obedience to what I do know. I'm going to take the little bit of light that I have and respond to it. I'm not going to be like the chief priests and scribes who really know it all, but don't act and respond accordingly. I want to be like the Magi that says, Lord, in my simple faith, in my simple knowledge, in the simple truth that I have, I now come and worship you, and I give to you my very best. I give to you my heart as we worship together. Let me pray. Help us, Father, as we come before you and honor the birth of your son, Jesus, that as these magi are just regular guys like you and me, who we sit here today, Father, we come before you, and we say, Lord, lead us, guide us, May we seek Christ, especially this week. And that, Father, when there are hurdles in the way that trouble our hearts like Herod, that we still walk in faith and obedience to what we do know we should do. And we thank you for your provision, your sovereign rule, your guidance in our lives, that you give us illustrations all the time of your working and providing. And now we respond in worship and thanksgiving for what you have done and continue to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.